trying to go inside the no, temple? No, I made it like a foot inside and they pushed me out and they maced me. What's your, what's your name? Where are you from? My name is Elizabeth. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. And why did you want to go in? <laughs> We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. Somebody coming in It is always nice to see you Says the man behind the counter To the woman who has come in She is shaking her umbrella And I've looked the other way As they are kissing their hellos And I'm pretending not to see them And instead I pour the milk What a moron. Jesus Christ. Out in the street, they call it From the Winslow T. Broadcast booth in freezing, frigid Bushwick, Brooklyn, I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. My opening monologue, as always, is brought to you by Winslow T. And I'm drinking it now. Mmm. Ah, that's piquant. Right? Piquant? <laughs> Man, people are hitting me up. They, keep keep the uh, text coming, guys. Everybody's uh, hitting me up every which way. Just like MJ. My mom said that Suzanne Vega sounded like a female Lou Reed. My mom's a huge Lou Reed fan. We'll get into that in, uh, in a little bit. How about that mashup? Let's, get, let's, let's, let's not bury the lead here. Well, maybe the lead is that John Field, America's comic, will be joining me later in the show, and we're going to talk about Eric Adams and and uh, some other stuff. John has been doing some research on the zip tie guy from the Capitol, and and um, it's always great to have John on. 
smart, funny guy. And 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 uh, he made the top ten. You can go back and listen to the top ten moments of 2021. I know everybody's like, all right, come on. Enough of the year-end wrap-ups, right? But... You know, it was a it was a good show, and John and I talked about John Mayer, and we we did an unfair album review of John Mayer's Sob Rock last time. And I thought about doing that with John this this week uh, with uh, the new Weekend album, but I think there's a lot of expletives, and for some reason I I don't I don't do I know uh, I was just listening to. Even the ad, the promo ads before my show and people dropping F-bombs every which way. Look, I know how to say that word. <laughs> but uh, I, we just, we don't really say it on this show. Just, it's a family show. It's a family affair. All right, I was going to tell you about the mashup. Who'd we hear? We heard um, from I Got Maced, which has been my obsession this week. I didn't know about it. Um, until recently, this guy who I want give credit where credit's due. This guy Brandon Etheridge did a mini musical starring um, Elizabeth from Knoxville, who got mace. She made it a couple feet into the Capitol, and and then <laughs> it was a revolution. I just I like the um, the cadence. It's almost like a Who's the guy who died? Stephen Sondheim. That kind of quick, snappy, di- uh, not dialogue, lyrical dexterity that that uh, is achieved in this br- brief mini-musical. And that went right into Be My Baby. Love that song. Um, rest in peace to Ronnie Spector and, and to Sidney Poitier and, and um, Bob Saget. Is it, it always happens, doesn't it, that, that the new year, everybody uh, passes on around the new year? That's a thing, right? Just holding on? I'm not sure. And then and then that went straight into... I did a whole version of, of this, but I thought I'd just do a clip. I did this a couple years ago. It was the, the instrumental to Sugar Hill Gang's hip... Hop the hippie did the hippie did the hippie the hop did the knock drop stopping and then the bump bump bang is a bang bang jaboogie and in the rhythm of the boogie to be what you hear is not a test that one right rapper's delight so I took the instrumental from that and then I put it over that was not a female Lou Reed impersonator mom that was Suzanne Vega doing Tom's Diner which uh, she did acapella but then there was like a cheesy um, like techno version of it which I wasn't a fan of but she's singing that about uh, Tom's Diner which is right across the street from where uh, my my dear wife grew up and um, it's also the, the, the facade is what is used in uh, Seinfeld 
so a lot of associations with with Tom's Diner. And but I still, when I first went to go see my because my uh, my in laws still live at this uh, right ac- across the street down the, down the way. And when I first saw it, I said, "Oh my God, that's the Seinfeld Diner." And my my wife was like, "You didn't know that? That's Tom's Diner." I said, "We should go there." And she said, "Yeah, I don't know." And it took years, years until she she deigned to go to Tom's Diner with me. And it was a life changing experience. And I came home and I made that that uh that's a true mashup putting one thing on on top of the the other and that was hard to do because unlike some of these mashup people i don't have uh like listener tim i don't have ableton live and and these uh programs where you can just match the beat i do this by by uh visual cues i put the two waveforms down and i chop them up and that one was tough to match and i had to do some pitch shifting and stuff and people could say, John, why don't you just get Ableton Live? And I would say, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Right? That's why we're here and uh, we dwell. It's fading out. But you listen to Post by Svanborg Kardeep. I've played it enough I could say his name right. And, we, and then we do stuff like we hear MRA by the Chris McGregor's Brotherhood of Breath. Let's just... Let this sink in. I gotta let some Winslow sink in. Hold on one sec. And then to wrap up the mashup, we heard from Dr. Fauci saying, what a moron, Jesus Christ, which was caught on a hot mic. I was talking to one of those dudes. It wasn't. It actually wasn't Rand Paul he was talking to. I forgot who it was. Who cares? Your research team, you want to see which senator or, or whatever uh, Fauci got hot mic'd calling him a moron? But I don't have time for that because I'm heaving and achieving, just like the New York Knicks. I think the phrase is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Not why fix it. Man, people are on my case today. Sorry, sorry uh, the freaking deacon. If it ain't broke, then why? <laughs> well, what? it's the same. Then why fix it? It's more rhetorical the way I say it. I'm not saying don't fix it. I want to know. Tell me why. Tell me why. Yeah, but the Knicks are are, uh, back at 500. Pretty exciting. I might need to get uh, Brian from uh, Giants Among Men to come on and talk about the Knicks. I was talking to my student. I'm not usually like a sport, like a... I felt very like um, broy to do this cough button, but I was walking up the stairwell at my school and I saw a student also named John. I only hang out with people named John. 
And I said, John, what'd you think about that Knicks game last night? And he said, yeah, it was, it was good stuff. And John told me, all I wanted for Christmas was a consistent starting lineup, which <laughs> I thought was, uh, and I was like, I, I get you, RJ Barrett's doing really well. And then he's like, all right, I got to go to class. And I said, okay, cool. And I said, who am I? I don't talk like this to people. The phrase ain't broke. <laughs> Don't try fixing it. Okay. Man. But I have a question for all you basketball fans. So when when somebody shoots a three-pointer, they say it's from downtown. Right? But shouldn't that be from uptown? Because if down, if the basket is is like da, is is the town, you know that the basket is downtown. A three pointer should be shot from uptown. Am I wrong? Why fix it? If that if the phrase here's here's a is the phrase broke? I think calling it it's broke to me once I realized the basket is downtown but that's not what we're going to talk about today you guys want to hear about Tucker Carlson on Ted Cruz oh my god did you see him get humiliated everybody's talking about that to me the big issue is that not that I don't even want to talk about this. Not that Ted Cruz is a is a uh, moron, to quote Dr. Fauci, but that we knew that. But how scary is it that if you, you say that there it was a terrorist attack at January 6th, you get called in by Tucker Carlson, you change your tune. That's the scary... I don't know. Everybody likes celebrating Ted Cruz's humiliation. What's what's going on with us? Senator Roger Marshall, moron from Kansas. Oh my god. That wasn't even the research team. I think that's uh <laughs> listener Kathy coming through. That's he was uh talking about your senator, huh, Kathy? Must have felt good. Man, in, we got an engaged populace today. Little listener Tim, BHS. Take one more sip of Winslow and then wrap this monologue up. So I've begun my um, duty as a as an American to uh, begin watching Ted Lasso. And I like it. I don't love it. We'll see how this changes. But the wife and I, what if I what if I just said the wife and I and didn't bring attention to it? We were talking, we were watching and we said <laughs> we were saying like so supposedly this Ted Lasso guy is a is a red state type dude, right? Ted Lasso's from uh 
from Kansas. He's supposedly. Speaking of Kansas, what's the matter with Kansas? Ted Lasso is supposedly this like red state. He's got a southern accent and he's from Kansas. That doesn't check out. But he's supposedly this bumpkin. But then he makes all these references to like like Michelle Obama's arms, like and uh I need a, a list. I almost started making a list of of all the like woke references that Ted Lasso makes. I'm like, is this a character? Or is this just the writers? It's like the he's like a might as well wear one of those um in the old Persinium, isn't that right? When they would wear the masks with like the um this is quite a metaphor here but bear with me they'd wear the masks with like the bullhorn and isn't that where persona comes from i don't know but my point is he's basically a mouthpiece for the writers it doesn't check his his personality his character doesn't check out for me but you know it does check out for me as i fade down our buddy Listener Tim. What does check out to me is is Judy Sill. Do you guys know about Judy Sill? I didn't know about Judy Sill until this past week. But um, Judy Sill is my new obsession. She's a, a singer, and I'll talk a lot about her. I just want you to hear uh, part of this song before our buddy John Field calls in. Judy Sill was uh, was around in the in the sixties uh, and seventies. She just made two two records and had a really kind of tragic, crazy life. But man, she was in, in, uh, incredibly influenced by Bach in her songwriting. And um, I want to find somebody to do a Judy Sill episode. But before I play. A song off her debut album, so the uh, self-titled Judy Sill. A song called Jesus Was a Crossmaker. I got to tell you about uh, something that's coming up in the community. Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to present four amazing bands at an outstanding local venue for an evening of rockin' music. Join us Friday, January 28th. 7.30, for a night with 7th grade girl fight, dirt bikes, cryo child, oh, cryo child's going to be there, and Castle Black, and none other than Ridgewood's own Bar Frida. And if you don't know where Ridgewood is, that's like this weird kind of no man's land between uh, Queens and Brooklyn. It's it's near Bushwick. There's a good uh, German... Uh, old school German bar that uh, where you can get like schnitzel and it's at Bar Frida and tickets are $10 and can be purchased at the venue but you need a proof of vax um, and no protests outside this time guys no, I don't know there wasn't protests last time but, uh, but yeah check that out but check this out I want to just and this is if 
regular listeners know that this is very unusual that I would play a song right here. Um, but you got to hear it. Judy Sill, Jesus Was a Crossmaker. Tell me what you think. Race to the bottom. Sweet silver angels over the sea Please come down flying low for me One time I trusted a stranger Cause I heard his sweet song And it was gently enticing me Though there was something wrong But when I turned He was gone Blinding me his song What'd you think? Just love her voice. That song is great. So it's just two albums. Judy Sill, the self-titled Judy Sill, which came out in 71. And then 
Heart Food, which came out in 73. And then she had quite a decline um, in her um, life and didn't really put very much music out after that. Bremer McCoy.
Jake Frankel says that my obsession with Judy. So we, so with Jake and and uh, my friends in college, we used to have a kind of a running bet of who was going to be the the friend of ours to become like a born again Christian. And uh, Jake says that I'm I'm in the lead now with Judy. She does have a lot of um, kind of mystic Jesus stuff in in the songs. But I kind of look at it more as like a, here we go. I was hoping. It's like, where's that phone call coming from? Um, I look at it more like an Emily Dickinson kind of thing, but we'll talk more about that later. Um, Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, welcome to the program. Howdy. Uh, sorry, I was going to call a little sooner, but uh, I, I forgot that you said 10.25 instead of 10.30. Yeah, it's a weird time, 10.25, I guess. This is John Field, everybody. What's going on? How are you doing? I, I, I'm doing pretty good. I'm up this morning. I got my uh, coffee. I got my pen. I got my, I'm wearing my uh, 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 mask right now so that I don't spread COVID over the phone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's serious out there. Yeah. It, it is. It's serious in here. They, John Field, they've got the... Heat heater turned off in here somehow, and I'm I'm like a I'm like at an ice cube, like at an old uh, cartoon. You could just that's ridiculous. You could split me, and you know you could take the chisel, and I would actually break in half because of the ice. You know? Yeah, yeah. You ever been col- cold before? I've never been cold. I actually come from uh, <laughs> Miami, Florida, uh-huh. and uh, temperatures there have never gone below 80 degrees. Wow. Are you really from Miami? Yeah, yeah that's where like, I spent most of my like, uh, teenage years to like, early adulthood, and then I was in Orlando for a hot minute. Um, yeah, it was a weird experience growing up there. I like, moved to Miami like the day that Elian Gonzalez was deported, which was like, kind of weird. It was just like a huge event and i remember just like you know when you move in especially as a family like we moved everything in and just plugged in the tv and there's just this um huge national event happening right in front of us and it was kind of uh uh uh, yeah miami is an interesting city yeah a lot of personality yeah um uh kind of uh, as opposed to orlando it's good you were only there for a hot minute yeah yeah Orlando, like I, you're required to be in Orlando for just a hot minute, and then they throw you out. And um, <laughs> a hot minute is uh, in Florida, twenty-seven years. Oh wow! They, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. Time moves slow in Orlando. So you're re- returning, uh, returning favorite, John Field, coming on the show. Oh, you're a, a writer, a, a, a comedian, a, a um, tour tour guide. Um, Former dog walker. Um, yes. A uh, what? What other hyphens can I throw on on there? Uh, uh, goodwill clothes sorter uh, is, oh. is a former occupation of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a chicken chopper. I used to work at a restaurant where I had to chop chicken all day long. Uh, uh, former. Uh, I, I used to make uh, uh, spam for porn companies, uh, mm-hmm. and um, I've had, I think, 14 jobs in my entire life. I, I, I can't, I lost track, but I've worked a lot of jobs. 
I you I think you might uh, beat me. I've had a lot of jobs. I've been a, a dairy farmer, an arborist, a, a preschool teacher, a pizza delivery driver, um, a landscaper, uh, and then a kind of dry, and then a teacher, obviously. But I, I think that's a. I think you you might um, you you might be the first person that I I feel kind of bested by. I I uh, I get fired a lot, and um, <laughs> yeah, I remember. There's this thing I think about a lot, like my fifth grade elementary school teacher told us that by the time we grow up, the average like person will have seven careers. And as a kid, I was like, what the hell does that mean? And mm-hmm. then like, uh, I can't think of something somebody told me flat out about the future that was so correct. <laughs> I feel like every millennial ever has to have like 10 different jobs and constantly switching industries just because of how... Um, I guess the uh, world is built right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That uh, f- that gig economy. Five working nine to five, and then you work five to nine after that. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you the one time you sleep, then God comes in and extracts labor out of you as well to help his new startup uh, about taking dreams and inserting it into <laughs> the minds of children. It's yeah. an interesting industry. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I was just talking about um, a, l- a little bit about people used to think my friend, close friends used to think I was going to be a born again Christian, um, and I was just playing. Have you heard of Judy Sill? No, I don't think I have. I mean, it sounds like a familiar name, but yeah. it sounds like a common name. Yeah, she's a she's a, a singer that I've been obsessed with, and my friend said that this is an. Oh, you an, posted her on, yeah. on Twitter the other day, right? Yes. She's, uh, yeah, my friend says this yeah, is new evidence. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, yeah. but you're, you're not a born again Christian, but I th- another hyphen it is you're a, a Quaker. Yeah, Quaker. It's like the hippie, uh, brand of Christianity. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the, um, uh, the elevator pitch for Quakerism is, uh, like 400 years ago, the Catholics and Protestants were fighting and uh, civil war in England, and they're like, if Catholicism was Pepsi and Protestantism was Coke, mm-hmm. Quaker is like the RC soda in between <laughs> those two people. Yeah, RC Cola. Yeah, yeah. You said RC soda. Oh, RC RC Cola. Uh, the the uh, the off off brand. Yeah. Of RC soda. Yeah. Wait, there's an RC soda too. No, I just misspoke, and I was trying okay. to run with that. With what, the <laughs> and I really, sometimes they don't land. What if I just kind of uh, hung up the whole show to, to litigate <laughs> this this RC Cola for soda thing? You're uh, just mad. <laughs> uh, g- g- listener, uh, friend of the show, Chris Mata, says I was also a chef. I, Chris, I'm not supposed to call myself a chef. I'm a cook, but... Um, all right. Well, enough beating around the bush, John. You're here. We're yes. here to to talk about two things, two people. Uh, yes. One better than the next. Um, yes. Eric Adams, our our new mayor. Um, yeah, I got to first know you, John, because you came and helped me out. I was looking for people to help me out with mayoral May, because no one was yeah. paying attention to the to the mayor's race here in New York City. And I said I'm going to do a whole month of shows on it. And uh, Seth Simons put a, put kind of put us in contact with each other. 
um, and and you you helped us break this down. And I don't think either of us really knew that that uh, Eric Adams was going to be the guy out of the twelve or who, however many, right? I think I remember at the time saying something like, "If Eric Adams wins, he's going to have his upside." Or I was like very wrongly optimistic about Eric Adams mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I mean, I think I got still have some reserved feelings of like, I think a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of his crap overshadows some of his good aspects, but yeah. Yeah, I think I was pretty flatly wrong about, um, uh, he way underperformed my expectations and, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's interesting. Uh, you're saying, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. No, get, um, the, I, the, you, you did exactly what I wanted there, which was to just give your, your vibe of, of, yeah. uh, and you're kind of getting into it. So what? Let me look at the calendar here. It's it's January fifteenth. Eric Adams has been yeah. our mayor for for uh, give or take fifteen days. Um, yeah. And just to kind of, I was trying to while uh, as I was getting ready for the show, a few of the things. Well, he says we're wallowing in COVID. How are how's your wallowing uh, going? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. I have like a bag full of COVID right now. Like every time, um, like I live on a busy street, and so like every time somebody like coughs a little bit, yeah. I take out a bag and yeah. like I like spin it around in the air, and I kind of like seal it up. Yeah. So I got like um, like a sizable bag worth of COVID that I'm probably going to release to people out in the city pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like how uh, like a, D- Scrooge McDuck would would like take a bath in money. New Yorkers just yeah. we just we just take big COVID baths because I don't know about you, John, but I just love COVID. I love that my my life has been on hold for two years, and I think oh, yeah. Eric Adams is right that that uh, you know I've just, <laughs> I've uh, you know it's 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 a real like pet project of mine. I wanted to go keep going as long as possible, um, and and he's trying to bring swagger in. He's yeah. uh, to get rid of COVID, but I'm like, I don't, yeah. wa- I don't want your swagger. I know, no. uh, you know, so what, what do you think about it? So d- for I the, for the, the listener that was brought up during the election yeah. was swagger abuse. Like a lot of people <laughs> were worried about the use of swagger in office mm-hmm. and like Eric Adams is just completely walking all over it. Um, yeah, I think something like just. I don't know how much the viewers at home who aren't watching but listening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a little background with like what's happening with Eric Adams is he got elected. Um, he's kind of like an old school uh, political machine kind of crony type person. Uh, he immediately, like before he even went into office, he kind of took two really big losses where. Um, Usually, historically, the speaker candidate uh, who is in charge of the city council, the mayor usually has a lot of sway on that, and he ended up getting, his candidate ended up getting absolutely destroyed, and the city council completely juked him. And then later, um, this is again before he even took office, uh, Eric Adams said he was going to overturn uh, de Blasio's um, solitary confinement policy, which even to this day is pretty bad. Uh, but, uh, the city council got really mad at him and just completely rebuked him. So this incoming mayor who should have all this mandate, uh, 
is just pissing away all his political capital. And now he's doing stuff where he's like hiring his brother to be a security detail, which I don't, I'm not going to get, I know people should get mad at that, but I'm not getting mad at that. And am I missing anything? There's been like 40 things that he's done. (laughs) He got into office. Um, Um, He, he made the comment that uh, people who, who work in, in restaurants couldn't, can never have like a a job in the, in the corner office. So, yeah. And, and the most recent one was he just said like a, like the final line of a prestige television show. He goes like, "I am the mayor," and I'm like, "Well, who cares? Like the mayor is one of like 40 positions in the city." Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, personally, I think he's uh, how I'm approaching him because who cares? I'm just a guy with his feet on the ground. But I think he's going to say a lot of stuff to make Twitter mad. I think he's probably going to do. Out of every 10 moves he makes, he's probably going to do two moves that are smart and beneficial for the city that nobody's going to notice, which I which I don't think he needs his pat, bat packed on. But, like, mm-hmm. um, I think he's just really loud and doesn't know when to uh, – it's weird because, like, having a lot of swagger and kind of carrying a big stick kind of should be political capital, but I don't think he's really doing it in a way that – uh, I mean, he hasn't had any political wins yet, yeah. and he's had two political losses. So it's just a weird, weird way to approach it. And I think he's just being insecure or overcompensating. I don't know. You know, yeah. Somebody said that uh, he's he's kind of like a, a <laughs> the mayor in like uh, Batman or something. <laughs> yeah. Like. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. He would be like the the you know, he's got that kind of and it kind of it like foretells some like major uh apocalyptic battle because he's out there, you know. Yeah. He I, he also calls it him, them like my something ridiculously yeah. arrogant about how powerful he is 2 seconds before he dies from like a gas attack. Yeah. Like that's like Yeah. It's like no one tells me what to do in this city, and then like his desk turns into um, Saren and yeah. uh, just chokes him to death. Yeah, uh, Oswald Oswald Cobblepot uh, is is uh, the the name I'm looking for. I guess, uh, man, I've John, I've never had so many people contact me during the sh- a show. I I love it. <laughs> they know that you're yeah. on, and they're just like, uh, oh man, I gotta that, get in is on that this. Johnfield bump. This is like a side thing, but I think the most um, Batman thing in New York is, um, have you ever been to Bryant Park during the wintertime where they have the ice skating rink? Uh, Yeah, I've been by there, yeah. Yeah, every time I walk past that, it just looks like something the Joker would try to attack. You just have like kids (laughs) ice skating and like the most cheesy commercial stuff of all time, and like it just feels the most Batman-y thing of New York. I mean, there's more Batman-y stuff, but that's just my most Batman stuff, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with, uh, I, the other thing I was going to say is, is he likes to refer to things as his, like my schools. I'm not going to shut down my schools, my cops, uh, um, which somebody's got to, his communications people got to tell him to chill on that. Like, that's just not a, or maybe it is, maybe who, we might be totally wrong. People might, uh. You know, in the era of of Trump, maybe this is exactly what people people like. Uh, yeah, I, who, I think who knows. I think there's like, I think sometimes 
in the era of Trump, we look at people of power and look at what they do, and we project that that's where their power came from. So, like, I feel like a lot of times in Trump would make huge, like, tactical moves that cost him power. And then it's really easy for us to look at him and go, like, oh, he's playing 4D chess. Just doing this irrational thing that no normal person would do is making him a more powerful person. Uh And I think for Adams, like, um, this is me being, I always like to look at things from an optimistic point of view. It's my, my disease, but it's your Quakerism. um, Yeah, it, it, it is. And I think like the city council isn't amazing, but I think there are people, we just came out of Cuomo and we just watched what happened when like a weird megalomaniac who power insane person gets knocked down and we have a pretty clear demonstration on how to like circumvent him. And, um, you know, the mayor has, first of all, weird amount of power, like, well, like mixed amount of power. Like he is all soft symbolic power. Like there's not a lot of real power he has, but like at the same time, he does have a lot of like a crap load of real symbolic power. And also you have city council people where like I was out there on the ground and had interactions with like quite a few people who ended up getting elected and they at least seem like they're millennials who had to work under crappy bosses before. So they kind of seem like they can smell like (laughs) BS coming towards them like a mile away. Like I was like, I was at a victory party of one of the city council people and you know, her and the people who would be her future staffers were kind of, complaining but they kind of see who this guy is and they're not really afraid of him they find him annoying and Mm -hmm. i hope that like um i'm sorry and the last thing on that is like you know while eric adams is has the power like one of the few powers he has is over our prison system and city council jail system uh you know our comptroller just released a study like his immediate first thing to do is to audit the department of corrections and that's something that is at the expense of Eric Adams power. So I think like Eric Adams, I would hope won't be like Cuomo part two or Trump part two, or at least like Trump after we see what happens with Trump. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to have, have you back on, see how, how things are moving. Yeah. But what you're saying four years later, like everyone's (laughs) dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Speaking of attacks, um, the other yeah. the other thing that we were going to talk about was uh, the zip tie guy, and you know yeah. I've heard conflicting things about this guy. I heard that this guy's actually a pretty uh, good person, um, and actually there he was picking the zip ties up because he thought somebody was going to trip on them, um, or or you know, and and it was all blown blown out of proportion. This guy was is a you know a family man and. Uh, well, well, funny thing you bring him up. I'm actually making a YouTube essay right now, and I thought I would have it done by now so I could promote it on this um, uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, if you go to johnfieldshow.com and subscribe and hit the bell, I should have it done by next week. But um, I've been spending way too much time writing about uh, the zip tie guy, uh, which I guess for people in the audience who don't know, during the Capitol insurrection, one of the photos that kind of would get shared around social media a lot was of a guy on the Senate chamber um, who was like decked out in protective gear and like military fatigue. Yeah. Tactical gear is the word I'm looking for. 
and he's completely masked, and he's doing like a ninja jump over the guardrail, yeah. and uh, he has like a giant, um, a bunch of zip ties he's holding on to uh, that, you know, if you look at the photo, it kind of implies that he went there that day with the intention of detaining or like uh, handcuffing with those zip ties mm-hmm. uh, Congress people. Um, the essay, I kind of more focus on the image itself of the zip tie to kind of talk about terrorism and how mass media and terrorism kind of play into each other. Yeah. Uh, the guy himself is kind of like, you know, you ever see that clip? I don't think maybe you haven't, but like of uh, Justice League where Lex Luthor takes over the Flash's body and he goes to a bathroom and he's like looking at the mirror and he's like, oh man. I'm the Flash now, so if I take off this mask, I'll find out his secret identity. And okay. then he like, rips off the mask, and he looks at himself in the mirror, and Lex Luthor's like, well, I have no clue who this guy is. He's just like a random face that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the same for the zip-tie guy. His name is Eric. He's a bartender from Nashville. Uh, he lives with his mom, and his mom was actually like there with him on the Capitol that day. Like, If you watch, uh, you can look up his YouTube footage, uh, the... Um, the zip tie guy, if you look at the photo, he has a, a camera phone on his chest. He was recording his entire invasion of the Capitol. Uh, he, um, first of all, he had violent intent. Like, if you listen to his whole video of him walking up into the Capitol, he was, like, narrating himself like a video game. He's going, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, we're going to mess people up, except for, you know, using a cuss word mm-hmm. for that. And uh, he had weapons that day that he stashed and didn't bring into the Capitol because he, you like see video of it. Um, uh, he had, I think you can't see what the weapons are, but he says like a video game character is like, Oh, I better stash these guns over here. Um, and so, or not guns, just like weapons. Yeah. Uh, he stashed them before he went into the Capitol. He went into the Capitol with a taser. Uh, you're right. When you said that he didn't go in with the zip ties, what was happening was, uh, he goes inside the Capitol, uh, he wanders around like he backtracks himself like 30 times because they have no clue what to do. Like they, mm-hmm. as soon as they get in, they're just there's no purpose because, first of all, all the Congress people left, so they can't really do harm. But it's kind of like a dog catching the car and not knowing what mm-hmm. to do. It's kind of a similar situation. Um, he was uh, wandering around, opened up a ti- like a, a cupboard just randomly. And like a video game character says, like, oh, zip ties. These will come in handy later and picks them up and give some of them to his mom. And then um, wandering around and follows like a large group of people. He's in the Senate chamber where you see that photo. He's only there for like two minutes and 50 seconds where he just like walks in, does this little ninja move that gets the photo taken (laughs) of him and then tries to go out one door that's locked and then goes out another door and then wanders around a little bit more. And that's when the footage stops. And I'm pretty sure he left. He's near an exit. So I'm pretty sure he left shortly after that, but it's kind of, I mean, I think it's important to state that this guy was fueled by racism. Uh, He, in social media, associates himself with the uh, three percenters. Uh, And also, he clearly states in the video that he wants to do harm to people. Uh, He, it's weird because, like, I don't want to... Uh, it's weird because he's like a joke at the same time. Mm -hmm. He's like a joke that you take serious. Like he's just like, um, an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything 
to say on that. I'm sorry, I kind of ranted. For no, a while. that yeah. I, that's a lot of the. I'm I'm excited to see the the whole video and 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 kind of all your your thoughts around it. Um, no, I I mean I I was joking when I I said this guy seems oh, like he's amazing, but but uh, you yeah. know a a lot of um, internet uh, trolls. Uh, you know, who try to gray gray up areas that have kind of come to this guy's defense uh, in really gross ways. No, no, ways. no. I, yeah, um, I figured that. I mean, this is kind of the tone of the yeah, show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but no, the the and we we're running out of time here. I got to get ready for the next show. But the thing that um, that you had said on Twitter that I totally agree with is that the the you can't look at January six with us um, aside from the uh white replacement narrative that that these people yeah. were you know because it's all it's all about uh you know basically the, the the fraud that they are you know that they are purporting is the fact that in lar- majority black cities swung the the election to biden and you know yeah. and it's this kind of this fear of being obsolete and their race being shut out um, and I, I think that that's, that's really true. And I think that people kind of lose that. I think the strongest evidence for that, uh, besides just like what they're saying about yeah. that day and like how the framing is, is that, um, uh, I'll start off with this. The least likely, uh, if you broke down everybody who was present that day, who was arrested, uh, the person who would be least likely to be present is someone from a rural area. We always associate rural areas with right-wing stuff, and that's correct. But those who had the largest presence were people um, coming from counties that voted for Biden, and especially, in particular, uh, counties that had a dwindling white population, which meant that Mm -hmm. these people were, like, people who were, like, I mean, it's white replacement theory, explicitly. Uh, And um, uh, I think that's just how every conversation... And also, like, I mean, like, the... One of the big arguments of the essay I try to make is just like, um, you know, 9-11 happens and we try to look for meaning. And uh, a thing I read about psychological meaning, anyways, it's just like, it's important to understand terrorism. And terrorism tries to project an image and don't get caught up in the image that these people try to produce, but to look at like the real unpack what the real image is underneath the image. And that's where you'll find the truth. Uh, and that's how you battle these things. Cause this guy looks scary, but in reality, his name is Eric and he lives with his mom. And yeah. that is a different type of scary and dangerous, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. I will. Uh, yeah. so let, let me know. And I will, um, I'll let people know next week, uh, when, if, and when it's posted, uh, take your time, cool. get it yeah. right. And, and we'll, um, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for being on the show oh, again. I always so love doing the show. This is my favorite podcast to do. Awesome. Right. I hope you have a good one. You too. Yeah. Bye. John Field coming through. There's a moment there where I was like, is he going to, is he going to call? What am I going to do for the rest of the show? Thank you all so much. Um, thank you to John Field. Thank you to uh, Chris and, and Kathy and, and, and the whole Mishbuha texting me and, and Jay and, and the whole, this was, to to be honest, today I wanted to do the show um, probably less than I've ever wanted to do the show. I was just tired and it was cold out, and uh, you all really picked me up today. If you're listening on your computer, you can download the app for your phone. If you like what you hear, you can go click the uh, green donate button, sign up for the newsletter if you'd like. 
Um, I'm going to keep it going, ending the show with Joni Mitchell, like I did last week from, uh, from which damn album is this from? It's from her first album, I think. The Dawn Treader, Joni Mitchell. Talk to y'all next week. We're going to be doing U2 with Stephen Slack. Peace. Leave behind your streets, he said.